0: everyone it's 2020 and i've been saying it again because i'm quite excited to be in a new year a new decade it is the shaggy lola salami show it's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe and i'm shaggy lola salami if this is your first time listening to the show the show is set in a virtual cafe it's about books and publishing but possibly not in a way you're probably familiar with um, I hope that at the end of today's episode, just like all the other episodes, you either get to learn something new, be motivated or inspired. The guests on the show come from all works of lives, authors and non-authors, and they either share with us how they were able to learn to do something or how, you know, based on their expertise, you can also do go from point A to B. I like to say point A to B, you know, so from where you are to where you want to be that, you know, that sort of thing. So without much ado, who have I got here with me today?
1: This is uh, Carlisle Toms. I'm a novelist. And-
0: Hello, Carlisle. Hi there.
1: So a little bit about me. I grew up in Ozarks poverty in the rural Ozarks of the United States and in the 1960s as a gay man and worked most of my life in mental health and addictions And then when I was 58 years old, I ended up writing my first novel. My first novel was endorsed by Meredith Sisko, who was instrumental in the soundtrack for the Oscar-nominated film Winter's Bone, starring Jennifer Lawrence. And it also won a New Apple Awards medal for general fiction. I have just released my second novel, which is also about someone growing up in the Ozarks. This one is about a televangelist who has a problem with sexual compulsions that he can't control and he hates himself for it. So what I do with my writing, I guess with my fiction, I sort of teach and inspire through that because I write about people who are overcoming things.
0: Okay. That sounds interesting. Well, it is a virtual cafe, so I would like to offer you a virtual drink. What if you went to a real cafe? What is your what's your favorite? You, what would you would normally order? You
1: know, when I get up in the morning, I pour just plain coffee with a little bit of half and half and some stevia sweetener in it. And when I go out at Christmas, one of my favorite things to do is to get the peppermint mocha latte at starbucks i enjoy those kinds of things
0: okay so what would you like today then since you have two you have two favorites
1: oh i would just have my general cup of coffee and relax with that in the morning a lot of times i go out on my deck in the morning and watch the hummingbirds while i sip on my coffee
0: And do you have a um, a favorite for pastries?
1: A favorite pastry? I don't know that I've ever met a pastry I didn't like. (laughs) I I kind of avoid them a little bit because I like them so much. Probably my favorite kind of cake, though, is chocolate cheesecake.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay, we can do that. So virtual chocolate cheesecake with um, hot coffee. With half and half. Yes. And did you say some sweetener as well? I think I heard sweetener. Pardon? Did you say you wanted it with sweetener as well? Well,
1: if I have the cheesecake, I might not have it with sweetener because that would be a little overwhelming. I think when I have the coffee with a very rich cake like that, I just want the coffee with maybe a little cream in it.
0: Okay, okay, that's fine. That's very doable. You know, sort of have the little bitterness balance out the sweetness of the cake. Yes. Okay, cool. So, whilst that is getting ready virtually, I'll get to you. (laughs) Now, you did say, you know, when you started off in your um, introduction, you mentioned something about. Um, one of your characters having a problem with sexual compulsion?
1: Yes. And the the novel that has just been released by Page Publishing, the protagonist in that novel is a backwoods kid from the rural Ozarks. He grows up in the 1940s and begins having these religiously laden dreams about a strange redheaded woman. She seduces him. She calls him to preach. She berates him for his sins and his sexual needs and compulsions. And he becomes a famous televangelist living in Nashville. But he continues to struggle as he as he marries, as he builds his church, as he builds his following as a televangelist. He continues to despise himself because of his feelings that he can't control himself.
0: Interesting.
1: So what are these feelings? What are his feelings?
0: He yes, you know, these feelings clown control.
1: These feelings of being uncontrolled. It's like it's a sexual addiction. I don't know if a lot of people have thought about the concept of sexual addiction, but there are people out there who are sexually compulsive, who engage in sexual activity as a distraction as a way of not dealing with some kind of inner turmoil or conflict that they don't want to face and that's part of the secret in this book is what is driving his addiction
0: okay right did you tell us the title of this book again
1: the calling dream is the title of the book
0: okay okay so now this book sounds quite interesting when did you decide you were going to write it? What, what went through your mind when you were thinking, huh, or when did the characters start speaking to you that you should write this book?
1: Well, the characters, the, the, this character was introduced in the first book, but I've kind of had him in my mind for many, many years. The, the first book, which was published in 2014, is called Confessions from the Pumpkin Patch. And that came about, kind of as a joke. I was joking around with a friend about this uh, elderly hippie woman who was just pretty much over it, you know, had uh, not much of a respect for society, et cetera, et cetera. And I said that in a joke. And then I thought, well, I wonder what she would have to say. And I sat down at the computer and began to write just letting her say whatever she was going to, I did not know that was going to turn into a novel, but she just kept talking and she told her story. And then this televangelist was introduced in that book in a tryst with her. And so it, then the second book then tells that part of the story from his perspective When she tells the story, it's from her perspective. When he tells it, it's from his perspective. But that's just one chapter out of that book. And each novel introduces the protagonist of the next novel.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now, I mean, like, as an author myself, you know, um, I know that when you're writing fiction, most of the times the characters... Um, speak with you or speak to you or talk in your head and tell you what to do. Um, But because this is not something that is general knowledge, did you have to do any research to make the story more realistic?
1: Well, yes, I, I, what I do when I write the books is, and thank God for the internet and Google, because Uh, If I had had to go to the library in years past to to look up all this stuff, I might never have gotten the novels written. But what I do is I look up historically what is going on around the time that the character is living. And I make sure that the timelines are correct and those kinds of things. For instance, in the first novel, there is a lot going on with – hippies with the anti-war movement with dr martin luther king there's a section in that particular novel where the protagonist and her boyfriend her boyfriend is from a wealthy family but he's also a hippie and he gets her to go to a rally with dr martin luther king the dates are correct on that i'm very careful about the research on those things
0: yeah Okay, okay. So apart from the internet and Google, and I know you mentioned you didn't want to go to the library, what else did you do sort of research wise to make sure that your book is realistic?
1: Well, I think a lot of what makes it realistic is that a lot of these things come from references to personal experiences. I never ever depict anyone in my writing who is an actual real person. I might depict characteristics. For instance, there was a lady that I worked with who had a particular characteristic in which she would go, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, sure, sure, when you were talking to her. I put one of mine, I told her I was going to do that. I put that as a characteristic of one of the small characters in the novel. But what I don't do is I don't reveal anyone's personal material. But I've had... At this point, it'll be 39 years in May that I have been working in mental health and addiction. And so a lot of that research in terms of these characters has to do with my knowledge of personalities and my my knowledge of human behavior. As a matter of fact, when Meredith Sisko did her review of my first novel, one of the things that she said was that I had a deft, per- a deft appreciation for personality. And so yeah. that's, that's kind of in me that I know those things.
0: Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Um, so now that you've got, you've published your first book and you've now published your second book, what are the things You've learned from your journey from before you became, before you started writing your first book to where you are now? What are the things you've learned?
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's tremendous because there was a very steep learning curve. I really didn't know anything about publishing, I didn't know how a lot of technology works. The first book, there was a friend of mine whose husband was a novelist. Her name is Sue Sherry. And I knew her. She wasn't so much a friend as that. I knew her from the city where I was living. They had retired from New York. Sue had written her own book called My Three Girls about her experience of growing up in New York in the 1930s as a an an orphan and being abandoned by her family. So but she was well aware of the publishing industry. Her husband had 15 novels under his belt. His name is Frank Sherry. And I asked her if she would take a look at the novel after it was written and tell me what she thought about it. She came back and she said, this is good. I like this. Let me help you with this and help you to get it published. So she set about helping me with editing the novel and preparing that. When I wrote that, I never dreamed that it would be published. I really didn't have a great deal of expectation for it, and I was totally shocked when Sue liked it, and I was shocked again when Meredith Sisko really liked the book, and I was shocked again when it won a new Apple Award. So I I didn't realize that I had this in me, but I've learned a lot about how modern publishing works. I've learned a lot about the internet. I've learned a lot about websites and updating websites. I I keep up with my own website at this point. And so the, the learning curve has just been tremendous. I continue to learn all the time, as a matter of fact. Well, and I've learned a great deal from you with our initial connect, yes, from your website, from all of the uh, connections on your website, the uh, information that is available there, just in your LinkedIn segment on doing the podcast. You've got several different links on there to various different things that I am still trying to get through as a matter of fact. But I've learned a lot from you. Interesting. Thank you.
0: This is the first time someone is actually saying that Well, to it's me. about
1: time. I don't know if other people know all this stuff, but I'm 64 years old. I was born before 1960. And a lot of this stuff is very new to me. And like I said, it's a very steep learning curve. But I continue to learn all the time. And I've been very appreciative, you know, even yes. finding out about uh, the podcast and how you manage that has been helpful to me.
0: Also, awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that I'm doing something right, right? Because like, I feel like sometimes, you know, you just need to put information and help people because when I started and when did I even start, I, my first published book was in august 2015 and you know i was quite delusional seriously i was the most delusional person ever i went and i clicked publish in amazon because i self-published my first book and there i was thinking great now it's published great so let those millions start rolling in you know and i just thought you know i was refreshing my amazon you know kdp dashboard and i was thinking okay great i'm gonna see like you know the sales just going Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Oh, what a delusion, right? And I was like, oh, (laughs) don't buy my book. Why? I didn't do any marketing. I didn't do anything. And I had this delusion that once I put my book on Amazon, I was going to become an overnight millionaire. I think most (laughs) new authors
1: have that delusion. I think that kind of comes with the territory. And, you know, the the good news is that it is much easier to get published than it used to be. The bad news is it is much easier to get published than it used to be, because there is so much material out there. It's very difficult for people to discover it.
0: Yes. But, you know, and I try to say this to a lot of people and some people don't really appreciate it. It's it's not a sprint. Absolutely. It's a marathon. It's not something that's, going to become. you know, some people might be fortunate and it might be a sprint for them, but for a lot of people, it's a marathon. It's not, you're not going to find overnight success. You're not just going to publish your book and, you know, suddenly everyone's buying it. You've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the hard work. You've got to be very strategic, right? It's not just about working. It's like, there's this thing I read once. If you continue to pour water into a basket, that basket
1: Absolutely. is never going to get full. I agree. But,
0: you You know, so you've got to be very strategic when you're doing your work. Yes. You know, so yes, thank you. It's quite nice. This is the first compliment I've had of 20, you know, for 2020. So thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I feel it just brought this big smile. I think people could probably hear the smile <laughs> yes. on my face right now.
1: Yes. Well, yes, and it, it is a very difficult process, and I think I was very lucky. I was extremely lucky, and it was almost as... It, it was serendipitous the way things fell the way that they fell and how I got the book to Meredith Sisko, that first novel, and got that, and but even with an endorsement from someone who had worked significantly with an Oscar nominated film. I still had to work very, very hard and I continue to struggle to get my word out there and to get awareness of my books. So when people aren't lucky like that, I think I was very lucky in that way. When people aren't lucky like that, I think it's even more of a struggle to get yourself known, to get your work out there and have people appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I think right, so one of the problems that I've found is that when people are embarking on something or they have a goal, they've not set they've literally set themselves up for failure, right? Because they're not setting realistic and achievable goals. So for instance, you know, I met someone like, Oh yes, you know, I want to be rich, but then what does it mean to be rich? Or I want to be a best selling author. What does it mean to be a best-selling author? That does not tell you anything. Like, Think about you know, multinational corporations, right? Imagine if this uh, managing director went to the, you know, the stakeholders and say, oh, I'm going to make you millions. They're going, to, they're going to just look at that person like, what do you mean you're going to make us million? What is that? right?" So you know, I just think that sometimes when people are starting off, they need to be able to set themselves very realistic goals of what they're capable of achieving. And then also they need to understand what it is, the reason the why they're doing something. So for instance, I've found that there's some people who write books, not because they're hoping to become best selling authors, but because they just they've had this story that they've just wanted to share. And just by publishing it, that is success to them already. Right.
1: I think there are some right? people who are very happy people with just know, having their friends and family read their book.
0: exactly and then you have some people who want to make an income from you know from the book that they've written but then if you're going you're an unknown nobody knows you outside of your friends and family and possibly your work colleagues right and then you go oh great i want to sell 10 million copies of my book well how what period are you giving yourself to sell 10 million copies how realistic is it for you to send 10 million copies if only your friends family and people you work with know who you are, you can't then say, well, within 24 hours of me publishing my book, I want to send, sell 10 million copies. That is very right. unrealistic, right? Because going from zero to 10 million is way, 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 way harder than going from right. zero to five. So when you're now setting yourself on realistic targets, you're... Just setting yourself up for frustration, unhappiness, and all those negative, you know, emotions that you don't really want to, you know, you don't really want to deal with. Whereas if you say, okay, great, I've got, I've just published this book. Within the next 30 days, I want to sell five copies. Then it's easier for you to get people in your personal network to sell five copies. Now, when you've sold those five copies and your book is really good, assuming you've had it professionally edited, professional, book cover then you say to those people at the end of you um you know at the back of your book if you've enjoyed read, um, reading this book please leave a review right so now five people have bought your books and they, they like your book they like read the five reviews then you know you now have social proof right so when the next person is looking for a book and they see five people have left positive reviews they'll be like oh okay maybe i should give this book right. a chance Right. So then you actually you, you then start to celebrate all those little, little milestones that you're achieving.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, just to, to sell 10 million copies in 10 years might be a slightly unrealistic goal. I don't know in terms of of getting that many copies sold. I also don't know what qualifies someone as a best selling author you know i can say that i am an award winning author and that i'm well endorsed but i don't know that i could say that i'm a best selling author and you know if uh, some magazine or something like that out there wants to label me that someday that I, I would be very happy but my goal my goal is you know here i am 64 years old i'm getting very near to retirement having worked in the field of mental health for all these years, my goal is for writing to be my retirement career. But it's more than that. I want to encourage people. I want to uplift people. I want to inspire people. I want to show through my fiction that there are answers. There is a better way and that people can find that better way that's what I do with my characters. I, I basically, my characters go through what they go through and they find a better way. But I also do that on my social media with Twitter and Instagram. For instance, I write a daily mini blog on Instagram. It's just a few paragraphs maybe and do some kind of inspirational talk with that on my Instagram account every day.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's good because I think, and you know I'm not you know the most knowledgeable person of everything, but I think when people can get value from whatever it is that you're doing, then the more they're likely to refer you on to say, "Oh, you know what? I met someone who does da 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 you right. know, go and check that person out
1: right. they have to get something more out of it than. You know, I mean, you can purchase a book, you know, the the, how many books have I purchased versus how many books have I read? I want my books to be read, not just purchased. I want them to be read. And when they're read, I want people to understand my purpose in that book and be inspired by it enough that they will say to a friend, Hey, you need to read this book. And they're not really, they're not self-help books. They they are fictional books, but maybe they're kind of self-help through fiction
0: Yes, I totally get what you mean. I totally, totally get it. Uh, you know, and I'm, I think as, for, as far as being an author, I am probably the laziest author there is out there. I don't nearly, anywhere nearly you know, publish or promote my books as much as I should. But then the other day I got an email from someone on my mailing list, she goes, so when is the next book in this series going to be coming out? I'm like, shoot, I really let this thing <laughs> fall down, right? Because it's like there's someone to then take the time to send you an email and go, when is your next book coming out? You're like, I Well, should. and that's a good
1: sign that someone wants to know when the next book is coming out. That's a very good sign. Yeah.
0: yeah, so for me, because like I said, I'm a lazy author. I write because I want to write. I'm writing the books that I like to read, right? And I've not done it because I'm trying to get a million pounds or whatever um, it is So I don't promote my books anywhere near as much as I should, or at least anywhere near as much as I push other people's books. But then, so it kind of brings a smile to my face when people go, oh, yes, yeah, so when's your next book coming out? I'm like, yeah, I should. Really well, promoting other people's Shouldn't books die.
1: is a way of promoting your book, because, you know, when you understand that life is about win-win and that when you help others win, you win as well. That's, I think, I think that's the ultimate key to success that you don't go out there in competition to say, I'm going to beat this other person. You go out there and say, how many people can I help? How many people can I lift up with myself as I am lifting myself up? And I think when you do that, it, it has such a positive effect that people then look to you, okay, this person is positive uh this person helps to uplift people this person helps other people and so that then helps them to turn to you when you've helped them if you've helped them more likely they're going to say to someone else this person helped me and so this person could help you too and they turn to that and tell other people about it so i think you are promoting your books by helping other authors.
0: Mm, yeah, I guess so, in a roundabout way. Because sometimes I say to myself, now I'm writing about other people's books on my blog so much, will people be getting confused about, why is she writing about other people's books? Because I try to see what other authors do, and I notice they don't usually write about other people's books, and I'm like, oh, huh, should I be doing this or should I not? Should I stop or should I continue? You know, there's all those random thoughts that go through my head. I think we should think about
1: other people's books. I recently read uh, Stephen King's book on writing, which, you know, certainly the more than more than what I got out of it was his journey to becoming a writer. But one of the things that, of course, is recommended for writers is that you also read. And you know, so I I have not been as good at doing reviews of other people's books as I think I should. I have done a few reviews here and there but I think that one of the things that I want to do is to read more and review more uh, of other authors. I think that's part of the process as well.
0: Yes because it also helps you develop yourself because you learn how other people do stuff, and you think, oh, you know what? I didn't think of it that way, and you know, I can see the benefit of doing things that way, and you can then add it to your yes. arsenal of skills. Yes,
1: one of the things that I've done recently, I'm I'm currently halfway through reading The Goldfinch, which, to be fair, is 734 pages. Uh, but I'm halfway reading that, and what happened was I went to see the movie. And I wanted to see from the perspective of how the story was told through the movie and how the book was written and the differences between the two. And so one of the things that I'm learning as I'm reading this novel, it's the same story, but the movie just takes tiny, tiny little snippets of information out of the novel to tell the same story, whereas the novel is very elaborate, very descriptive. It's a, a um, prize-winning novel, Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. And so, it, it's very interesting to me because I also have some interest at some point maybe in doing screenwriting. So, this has been, uh, for me, an adventure okay. in looking at the how the screenwriting and the novel compare to one another. I, I might at some point look yeah. into getting my novels into a screenplay. And how best does that happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like a good idea. Well, I hope when you've, you know, you've started the process, um, you know, you'll come back on the show and tell us what you've learned, um, you know, converting your novels. To
1: Absolutely. I way. would love to.
0: Yes. But, um, you know, it's come to that time, you know, of the day where I have to kick you out of my virtual cafe. But, but before I do that, do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with listeners? Final words of
1: wisdom. My, through my books, what I hope to teach is that you can overcome, never give up, keep your eyes on the prize. And I think whatever it is that you endeavor, whether that's overcoming a mental illness, it's overcoming an addiction, it's overcoming a challenge in your career, whatever it may be, never, ever give up.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. And if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? Are you, do you have a website? Well, so I have, I have a
1: Twitter connect? account, I have an Instagram account. I have, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Tumblr, multiple, multiple. And these links are on my website. The website is com, And that will lead to my website. From there, there are links to social media. And there's also a, uh, a subscription there where you can subscribe to receiving emails. Then there's also on there a contact where you can directly contact me if you want to.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And like I said before, I hope when you've converted your book to a a script play um, or screenplay rather, you'll be able to come back and tell us what you've learned. Absolutely. I would love
1: to. And thank you so much for having me.
0: No, it's my pleasure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of today's episode of the Shagilola Salami Show. I hope you've been able to take something away from the show. Um, Until next time, bye everyone. It is the Shagilola Salami Show. And that brings us to the end of today's episode of the Shagilola Salami Show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would consider leaving a review of the show because it sort of helps me know what I'm doing right, what I'm not doing so right and what I need to improve. Um, if you know anyone else who would benefit um, or who would enjoy the show, please do share the show with everyone in your network. Thank you very much. And until next time, again, it is the Shakila Salami Show. Bye now.